This week on Wealth Track, a rare interview with next generation great investor Joshua Spencer on taking over T. Rowe Price's legendary new Horizons Fund. We do see a lot more growth coming from the technology industry. We do see a lot of growth coming from the healthcare industry. These are companies that are highly innovative. And beyond that, we also see the, the penetration of technology into the broader economy. When you think about looking at an industrial company or looking at a financial company, much of what will determine their success is how well do they use technology in their own business. How legacy meets the future is next on Consuelo Mack WealthTrack. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Funding provided by Morgan Le Fay Dreams Foundation, Clearbridge Investments, Miller Value Funds, Royce & Associates, Matthews Asia, First Eagle Investment Management, and Strategus Asset Management. Hello and welcome to this edition of WealthTrack. I'm Consuelo Mack. How do you successfully take over and run a legendary fund with a 60-year track record of excellence? Well, we are about to find out in a rare interview with a fund manager who is doing just that. The fund is the T. Rowe Price New Horizons Fund. The small cap growth fund has $34 billion in assets and carries a five-star silver analyst rating from Morningstar. Launched in June of 1960 by Thomas Rowe Price Jr., the firm's founder, it has had two storied managers in recent years. Jack Laporte from 1987 until 2010, then Henry Ellenbogen from 2010 to March of 2019, when he turned the reins over to Joshua Spencer, today's guest. New Horizons has a storied history of beating the markets and its peers since inception and in multiple periods in between. It's a track record that's been extended by its new manager. In 2019, its nearly 40% return handily beat the Russell 2000 Growth Index and its peer group. So far this year, its gains have far outpaced the index and the competition. Joshua Spencer took over as lead portfolio manager in early 2019. Prior to taking over New Horizons, Spencer established his own record of excellence with the T. Rowe Price Global Technology Fund, which he ran from 2012 until early in 2019. During his tenure, the fund delivered nearly 22% annualized returns, far outdistancing its benchmark and peer group. I began the interview by asking Spencer to describe New Horizons' legacy. What does it represent? What has he inherited? Well, you're right. New Horizons is a, a treasured franchise at T. Rowe Price. It does have a 60-year history. It's had a long track record of success. New Horizons has always emphasized small and mid-sized growth companies, companies with a durable competitive advantage, that are really driving their own destiny and succeeding across time periods with strong management teams and, and lots of innovation. And New Horizons continues to do that today. And you know, using the strong analyst bench that we have at Tiro Price and all the resources, I just hope to follow in those footsteps and continue that legacy. What does growth mean at the New Horizons Fund? What are you looking for? 
Well, it's a couple of different things that we think about when we consider growth. There's the concept of durable, steady growth. And those are companies that may only grow in the realm of five, six, seven percent per year, but with the likelihood of doing it for many years to come, and with the likelihood of generating a lot of free cash flow along the way that they can use to return to shareholders or expand the business in other dimensions. We also have a concept of uh, more hyper growth, earlier stage companies who might be growing 20, 30, 40, even 50% or more a year. Now that growth wouldn't necessarily be expected to sustain for many years to come, but it can be indicative of a company early in its development. And we try to balance the portfolio around those two different types of growth companies, making sure that we're capturing all the innovation and opportunity that comes with early stage hyper growth, but also knowing that in a balanced and diversified portfolio, there is a home for companies with stable, persistent growth as well. You're very familiar with the fund. You started contributing to it when you were running the Global Technology Fund. Uh, how do you think you're going to uh, change uh, the New Horizons Fund and the, and the makeup of the companies that are in it? Well, the most important thing in my tenure on New Horizons will be consistency and consistency of approach. But I, I would say, you know, t as times change, companies change and what drives growth can be, uh, you know, changing from era to era. And if you think about what's happening today, we do see a lot more growth coming from the technology industry. We do see a lot of growth coming from the healthcare industry. These are companies that are highly innovative. And beyond that, we also see the, the penetration of technology into the broader economy. When you think about looking at an industrial company or looking at a financial company, much of what will determine their success is how well do they use technology in their own business? Do they use it to engage with customers? Do they use it in the R&D process? With younger consumers and with uh, new businesses relating, uh, using different forms of technology is incredibly important. I think we've all seen that, for example, through this pandemic, the, the rise of technology in our everyday lives. And so as we look ahead, I think that's a trend that will be continuing. And it's something that we have to stay abreast of as, as thoughtful investors. You know, d describe the process. You have, I think, about 50 analysts that you're working with on the New Horizons Fund. Is that correct? That is correct. You want the best ideas from each of them. So, so how does that work? How does the process work? And it's a very collaborative process with the analysts at, at T. Rowe Price. And what we're really looking for is uh, a process of intellectual honesty, of having the analysts bubble up their very best ideas, for us to work in partnership, to engage with the companies, to engage with the management teams, to build thoughtful and detailed financial models, to try to look into the future. And so we have a very you know, high bar to get an idea into the portfolio in consultation with these analysts. And then we have an ongoing monitoring process and making sure that we're tracking ongoing developments, consistency of strategy, consistency of execution, any changes in the landscape, either in the competitive landscape or in the company's own internal execution. And, and staying on top of that is, is part of uh, our process and, and you know, something that we work with closely uh, with the analysts on. So it's, it's almost like a throwback to the kind of the old stock 
research that, you know, used to be done on Wall Street all the time. <laughs> and yet, you know, here you are, you come from a tech background. Um, tech has taken over a lot of investing. Does this still work? Can, can you really, <laughs> you know, beat the machine on a consistent basis in this day and age? This type of fundamental work is core to, to T. Real Price, you know, core to the New Horizons portfolio, but frankly, to all of our portfolios. But just because a company is in the technology industry or using technology and there's maybe innovation and change doesn't mean that we can't still analyze it, think about it, consider possible scenarios, consider uh, business models, financial models, free cash flow. We always talk about the concept of making sure that uh, even when outcomes are uncertain, that we still apply a high degree of rigor. Now, we know that when we're looking at different probabilities with early stage companies and different outcomes, it can be a wide range. But what we then have to do is make sure we're modeling out the potential that we're evaluating the products, that we're evaluating the R&D pipelines, that we're looking at success or failure as it unfolds and processing incoming data appropriately. So yes, I think we can continue to apply this deep fundamental work around the technology industry, around smaller companies uh, in the growth sector. And it's something that is really core to our process. Give us some examples of some of the best ideas in your portfolio. And I'm thinking that one of the areas that you've been focused on is some of the innovative companies in software, for instance. So. What's a, a best idea in the software area that, that made the cut into the New Horizons Fund? Viva Software is one of our very best ideas. Now, Viva is a company that focuses on software for the life sciences industry. And they make products that are used uh, for pharmaceutical representatives to engage with doctors and share information. They also make products that are used uh, to store data securely in the clinical trial process. They have a product known as Viva Vault. And as you might imagine, the data that's used in a clinical trial has to be stored extremely securely. It has to be stored across multiple sites as you're you know, often having multiple sites for a single drug trial. And in this day and time with um, the pandemic, with far-flung operations, having secure and user-friendly software is more valuable than ever before. And I think Viva is at the, at the forefront of this opportunity. And as they deepen their engagement with the pharmaceutical industry, with the clinical trial, with the biotech industry, they're going to have an increasing number of products to sell into that end market. And I think it's going to grow into a very, very large company over time that I was just looking at the portfolio. So there's a company called Dexcom, which uh, does continuous glucose monitoring, which sounds fascinating to me. What, but why did that make the cut? Dexcom is another incredibly interesting and innovative company. You're right. They make uh, little devices known as continuous glucose monitors that uh, essentially are embedded into your body uh, as a diabetic st stuck in but then you know, they stay on for a couple of weeks and continuously monitor your blood sugar. They can get tied into your smartphone to give you an, a readout at a moment's notice as to your sugar levels and, and overall diabetic metrics. And they also tie into your insulin pump 
and can trigger the insulin pump to um, adjust as needed. And so it's a real driver of quality of life for a diabetic. They've had success with both type one and type two diabetes. Unfortunately, it's a very large market, uh, but when you apply technology to it, it really does create a win for the uh, diabetics themselves, for the users, also for the company. It's a wonderful financial model. Um, it's replacing uh, typical pinpricks that diabetics might have to do multiple times a day. In the New Horizon portfolio, one of the things that I often look for is when it's a win-win outcome, where it's really a valuable product that's serving a need and also has a good financial outcome for the company. You know, one of the things that you mentioned is that, that you do look at some old-fashioned kind of industrial-type companies that are using tech well. So can you give us an example of a company that might surprise us that's in the New Horizons portfolio? One old-fashioned industrial company that we own is a company called Old Dominion Freight Lines. And uh, Old Dominion is a, a less-than-truckload uh, hauler of freight, and they consolidate freight at shipping depots and then provide you know, the, the last-mile service as well. And they really use technology when it comes to scheduling delivery times, uh, balancing out shipments, and making sure that they have the highest quality of service in the market. And when it comes to the rise of e-commerce and all that that brings, really having high quality shipping and knowing when things will get there, that they'll get there um, securely and in one piece is incredibly important and Old Dominion has invested very heavily in technology. They've also invested very heavily in real estate and trucking terminals to make sure this happens. And they are second to none when it comes to performance of on time and safety. And it's another company with a, sort of a, a really bright future despite being in seemingly a pedestrian industry. One interesting aspect of how uh, New Horizons is managed as well is that you I mean, farm out internally to T. Rowe Price You've got a healthcare sleeve of about, what, 70 stocks uh, in the portfolio, but it's managed by a separate uh, health team of healthcare analysts. I think you, you know, told me over the phone it was three MDs, medical doctors and a scientist. How does that work? So as you can imagine, biotech is an area with a lot of innovation, a lot of uh, wonderful companies, and, and many of which are providing this win-win outcome that, that I speak of. Uh, but it's also an area with a high degree of complexity uh, when it comes to the science and the medicine. And, you know, with my background in economics and business, it's really difficult to have the complete understanding of the science that's going to dr drive success or failure. So what we've decided to do, and this dates back actually to Jack Laporte and Henry Ellenbogen as my predecessors, is to carve out a certain portion of the portfolio uh, as it stands today, it's about 10% that we dedicate to the biotech industry. And in a sense, we uh, allow the healthcare team led by one of our analysts and sector fund managers named Ziad Bakri, who is a medical doctor, to take the lead on those investments. And he may, from time to time, seek my opinion on a management team or a quality of, of idea. But really, it's much more that I'm looking to him and, and his team of doctors and scientists to provide the best ideas. And as you mentioned, we do have about 70 companies in that sleeve. They're all relatively small positions, 
And that's in a sense because of the way the biotech industry works. It tends to have uh, a small number of really high profile successes and you want to make sure that you find those. And you know, e even with the best science, they're hard to find. So we want to cast a wide net. And then we also have to be tolerant of the occasional or maybe the not so occasional failure, knowing that that's an important part of the drug discovery process. So that's such an important aspect to this, Josh, uh, is that you're allowing for failure. Sometimes drugs don't work out, don't meet the indication that we expect them to. And in that case, uh, the stocks can have a precipitous fall. And I think we have to be tolerant of that, knowing that when we get the you know, success, it can pay back multiple times and make up for you know, those failures and then some. And that's really what we're looking for when it comes to biotech investing. We also, of course, have to be tolerant and understanding of failure in, in other parts of the portfolio. Uh, that's just part of investing, uh, but it's certainly so in, in biotech. You know, valuations in the market overall are pretty high, right? So, so how do you manage through a period like this? Well, you're not kidding. They are, they are high and it makes it more difficult uh, just over the last, say, you know, period of 2020, we've seen some pretty wild swings in the market. And if we could, you know, certainly flash back to the March-April timeframe, we saw a lot of great ideas at great valuations, uh, but, you know, lots of turmoil in the market that drove it. And as we sit today, valuations in many cases have come back up to where they were and, and even higher. So what we have to do is be tolerant and understanding of what's the longer term outlook for the company. In many cases, the companies that we hold today may not have the very best one year risk reward analysis. And we know that's you know, a function of high valuations. But what we need to do is look further out and say over three years, over five years, over 10 years, do we have companies that we think can keep delivering that can drive longer term performance. That's where we can have a real competitive advantage as investors. Now, in some cases, a high valuation might, you know, be high enough that even over five years, it's fully baked in and, you know, we might want to move on from the stock or trim back our weight. But oftentimes, a stock can look a little more highly valued on a one year time frame. But when you roll the clock forward, especially when you have the power of compound growth, it can look a lot more attractive. And we have to be very thoughtful about modeling out that longer term outlook. You know, when the pandemic hit, I know you did a very comprehensive uh, exercise of analyzing every name in the portfolio as to how it would be affected uh, by the pandemic, uh, you know, whether it was going to, its prospects would get better or if they would get worse. And any surprises in uh, in that review, that pandemic review? Yeah, we, we had a few surprises. Uh, as you might expect, companies had a wide dispersion of impact from the pandemic. Uh, we had some companies that uh, maybe are in the travel or hospitality industry where we think there's a likelihood that their business had a two to three year setback, that it might not be fully back to normal until 2022, 2023. We had other companies where we feel like the growth has actually been pulled dramatically forward. And I would say those have been some of the bigger surprises. If you look at a company like DocuSign, which is uh, you know online agreements and signing 
for contracting, for real estate, right. for we've all. We've all used it. <laughs> we've all used DocuSign. And what you may not know if you've used yeah. it for real estate is the breadth of applications that they're now seeing. And so DocuSign has really dramatically penetrated new markets. They've signed thousands of new customers. And what I think will happen is that those new customers uh, will have new business processes that are sticky. Once you've adopted something like DocuSign, even if it was caused by the pandemic, when the pandemic eases, do you really want to go back to that paper intensive process? Our estimation would be no. And so DocuSign will have had a permanent acceleration of, of growth. And really, we've had a couple of those where we think it's been pulled forward by multiple years. Well, can you give me another example? That's, it's just such, such an intriguing concept. I think Okta is another company that's had their business accelerate because of the pandemic. Okta is a company that uh, is a security-focused software company. And really, they manage the process of single sign-on and uh, managing your identity when you're on um, a broad range of networks, including the corporate network. And with the far-flung uh, dispersion of employees uh, during the pandemic, with the breadth of software applications we're all using that we're seeing from businesses we didn't necessarily expect, uh, you know, even a couple of years ago, managing passwords, managing identity has become incredibly important. It's no longer uh, adequate security to think that you can wall off your employees with firewalls because they're not on in the corporate uh, data center any longer. They're outside. They're accessing the corporate network through a wide range of applications from their iPads, from their home computers. And Okta manages all that. They're a little bit like a Switzerland of security, managing all the access and who can go where on the network. They can monitor for permissions. They can monitor for data anomalies and, and figure out are things happening that shouldn't be on the network. It's a company that was um, founded by Todd McKinnon, the current CEO who had a successful career at Salesforce and then moved on to found Okta. And he's really turned it into a powerhouse. You were an early investor in Amazon, Josh, obviously uh, preceding uh, the New Horizons Fund. What's your view of Amazon now? Amazon's anything but a small and mid cap today. I think back to <laughs> my time managing the global technology portfolio and, and the investments um, really you know, helped by our uh, very talented internet analyst who now is an associate portfolio manager, Paul Green. And really, you know, our uh -huh. team did a great job in understanding Amazon. We felt like the cloud computing business was much more profitable and durable than anyone understood. And I would say that's been proven true um, much more even than we probably expected. And it's a testament to how wide the range of outcomes can be. I think we expected the retail business to grow. We expected the cloud computing business to grow. But I would say never in my wildest dreams did I expect it would be at the size it is today. Um, and it's a, it's a testament to their execution. Everybody wants to find the next Amazon. Do you have any candidates in the new Horizons Fund that could be a next Amazon? Well, uh, we do have some companies that are, are making you know, very thoughtful uh, choices about their spending today. Uh, one that I'll mention is a company called uh, Stone Corporation. Stone is a Brazilian company. Uh, we have about 10 to 15% of the portfolio that we invest overseas. 
Uh, and Stone is really focused on the, the payments industry in Brazil and, and digitizing payments for small and mid-sized businesses. They're also offering uh, an increasing software suite to those same small and mid-sized businesses to run their, uh, what you might call their ERP, their kind of back office, their customer engagement. And they're spending a lot in sales and marketing. They're spending a lot in research and development, but we think they're building something special. And we think over time, it could be a very big company and uh, really be dominant in the Brazilian market, uh, which is a, a huge market. Uh, and very profitable with that franchising payments and software. And Josh, final question, which I always ask everyone at the end of every Wealth Truck interview, if there's one investment that we should all own some of in a long-term diversified portfolio, what would it be? Well, I'll, I'll come back to Viva. I, I think that company is just so special. What they're building with respect to software selling into the life sciences vertical is, is really unique. And I think the opportunity for drug discovery and clinical trials and all kinds of uses uh, and, and a management team that's shown an ability to innovate, build new products, build new franchises. I think this will be a company with multiple billions of revenue in the future and potentially a much bigger market cap as well. So Josh Spencer, thank you so much for joining us on WealthTrack. Congratulations for you're now in your, uh, I guess, second year of running the New Horizons Fund, and so far, really good. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It's an honor to spend time with you. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is look for cultural continuity in the funds you invest in. As we've just learned from Josh Spencer, the nearly 3 million shareholders of the New Horizons Fund can count on the same goals and approaches that led them to invest in the fund in the first place. What a relief. For long-term investors, cultural continuity counts. Next week, veteran strategist and Fed watcher Ed Yardeni explains why understanding Fed policy is key to predicting the financial markets. In this week's extra feature on WealthTrack.com, Josh Spencer discusses how his education in psychology really helps his investment decisions. For those of you connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel, please continue to do so. Thank you for joining us. Have a lovely weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.